I'm James Hahn II. And I'm Mark LaCour. And you're listening to Oil & Gas This Week, brought to you by Bulwark. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Episode number 84. Mr. Mark LaCour, I am fired up this morning. How are you feeling? I'm always fired up. You know that. <laughs> yeah, you, you do. <laughs> you're, you're always turned up. You're always yeah. turned up. I am excited this morning because... What? Why are you excited this morning? I think you know, sir. I think you know what we did this this week. Thanks to our our amazing listeners, we passed two hundred thousand downloads. Mark Lacour. Oh my god, two hundred thousand downloads. Two hundred thousand. Awesome. Yeah, we're at two hundred two, two hundred three, four by now. But oh my gosh, thank you to everyone who continues to tune in and share this and spread the love. Because man, we would not be here. Without y'all, well, I I would be um, if Mark would still be putting up with me. But I think <laughs> I think the fact that it's become a revenue source for him keeps him around. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I, I, you know, we don't say this enough, but you know, thank you, thank you, thank you to all our listeners out there, our uh, old listeners and our new listeners. Um, if it wasn't for you, the show would, would just be me and James talking to ourselves, and that would be kind of scary. <laughs> so we we couldn't do it without you, and we appreciate each and every one of you. I'm hearing from so many people, Mark, so many people on LinkedIn, especially on LinkedIn, getting a lot of people hit me up from all over the globe. Actually, interestingly enough, just yesterday, shout out. I can't, oh, I forgive, forgive me. I'm forgetting your name off the top of my head. But um, we spoke yesterday with a, uh, with a young man in my, probably younger than me or my age, um, works for Enbridge in Battle Creek, which is funny because Battle Creek, Michigan is right next to Kalamazoo. And so I right away said, hey, I have a bunch of friends that hate you in Kalamazoo. <laughs> and he said, yeah, well, you should tell them to get out on the river. And I said, well, we did a whole show on that. So that's just, I don't know, Mark. Man, this is amazing. This is amazing. 84 episodes, 200,000 downloads. Just incredible. Great. Good stuff. Good stuff. What do you have here about the subsea service? So this is something I've been meaning to bring up for a long time, and I never th- remember to do it on the show. I just happen to know that there's one subsea manufacturing company where a lot of their um, senior management listens to us on the golf course. Now, unfortunately, they didn't know how to load podcast. <laughs> so they had, to, they had to get a person that works for them to take each one of their phones and load the podcast on there. But now they're they're listening. So um, I don't want to say the name of the company, but uh, y'all know who you are. It's, uh, you know, there's only a handful of subsea manufacturers. And then, to make it even more bizarre, I was having lunch with a, another subsea manufacturer. And I was actually having lunch with, uh, uh, one of the, with their CTO. And he told me in his new hire package, he puts a link to the podcast. So anybody they hire. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it, he doesn't make them listen to it, but he goes, look, here's a really good, strong resource, especially young people right out of school, try to get their hands around the entire industry. You know, not just what the subsea manufacturer does. So I just thought that was really cool stuff. So, you know, hats off to both those subsea manufacturers. Um, if y'all have listened to the show long enough, you know I have a special place in my heart for y'all because y'all do some of the coolest stuff in the world. Definitely. Man, it's wow. So shout out to y'all on the golf course, drinking the Michelobes. Hopefully you, uh, hopefully you, you, you get under par today. Um, and then all the new hires. That's amazing. That is hey, just, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. Yeah, I, th- I think it's awesome too. Um, and if your company encourages uh, people to listen to our podcast, let us know. Let us know who you are. Let us know how you do it. Um, you know, if there's a way we can help you with that, we, we'd love to. Yeah. And, and we appreciate you sharing the show. Hey, James. Yes. I got a rumor. 
<laughs> what is this rumor? You've been teasing it. You wouldn't tell me. What is it? Halliburton is hiring in South Texas. Oh, okay. I'm leaning uh, in. Tell me more. Halliburton is hiring in South Texas. Okay. We've, we've, made, we've made the corner. Oh. If you know Halliburton's hiring for guys out in the field in South Texas, things are going to pick up. Mm. So um, this is not, you know, Halliburton's, um, um, you know, head HR person didn't call and tell me this. This came from one of my hundreds of sources I have out there. Um, but, I mean, I just think that's awesome news, right? If they're picking up people in the field, things are picking back up. So, um, you know, let's, we'll keep our, I'll keep my finger on this. Like I said, this is a rumor. This is nothing official. Um, but I, I, it comes from a very high-trusted source. Rumors. <laughs> Rumors. Just between you and I, right, Mark? You and I and our 200,000 listeners. So all y'all, shh, keep it quiet. Keep it quiet. All right. Um, we have another We Stand Corrected, and we really stand corrected on this one um, because it was Joshua Wade who won the Bulwark Two-Tone Bass Layer on episode 83 just last week. And he let us know that um, we, we actually linked him up with the wrong company. Yeah. And so, um, you know, uh, Joshua, thanks for reaching out and, and, and getting this story straight. Um, you know, he, um, he actually also talked to us about coming out to their, their digital all conference. So, you know, appreciate for us, you setting us straight and getting the facts out there. Um, and then the uh, other thing is, you know, we appreciate you talking to us about coming out to the digital all conference. So um, hats off to you, Joshua. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so I just to make the correction, they're not associated with Ascent Resources. They're Ascent Midstream Partners, LLC. So um, that said, let's get into the stories because we've got plenty to cover. And we're going to kick things off with a new, new oil baron, the unusual journey of China's newest oil baron. Yeah, this is a long read, but it's actually really good. And, and so the, the short version of the story is uh, um, uh, there's a company out there called um, uh, China Energy, uh, CFC, they call it. And Yi Jimring is the CEO of that company. And he's doing something really different. And what he's doing, he's going out and investing outside of China. So he's invested into a, a bank. He's invested into some um, shopping stuff and some uh, buildings. Um, and so he now owns a bank, in, but they're, uh, they're a small integrated company in China. And so it's really interesting to see what's going on because what he's doing is he's taken the capital that he has that he's built in China and going out investing outside of China, but investing in, in pieces that will help his business in China. And then he's a young guy. He's in his 20s. Um, but he runs his company like they used to in the old days, right? So he hires a lot of military. Um, they have an official Communist Party program. They have an uh, official, you know, top worker program, or I should say model worker. Um, <clears throat> and so it's it's really interesting to see what he's doing. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes, when this goes forward. Like, what's going to happen in history? Um, I think what he's doing is he's positioned himself as China um, – backs off on the, the um, communist-run businesses and allows free market to uh, uh, penetrate more and more. I think he's positioning himself and his company to start picking up those assets and start making bids because these, 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 the nationalized oil company in China are sort of like um, you know, some of the bigger companies in the world. They don't move very quickly. They're, they're old. They're big old ships. And I think his competitive advantage is that he's just nimble, which is, you know, this is actually kind of cool to see a 20-year-old stand up a company that's, um, you know, he's not as big as Sinopec or, or, or CNOC, um, but the fact that he's even there, I think, is really cool. 
So fact check on that. He's 39, but oh, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) You're an old man. So, so, so he probably looks that, but yeah, he's, he's just a few years, but that thanks for making me feel real good about myself. Cause he's, that means he's uh, three years older than me. Um, But he also owns the Czech, um, what are the top Czech uh, soccer teams as well, or football for our friends across, um, across the globe. Yeah. He's made a a lot of investments in the Czech Republic Um, and the Czech Republic, you know, they have that, left wing um f- kind of former communist style of government so they, they probably work really well with china so it's probably a great partnership with them it probably is and we we can only only hope that um that more capitalism means more liberty and freedom for all those people and hopefully it keeps heading yeah. in that direction because i think you know there you know i was talking to you just before about um yukos uh, off the mic about yukos and in rosnet and how that all came about and how Putin, he, he, he centralized basically a, a very communistic style government um, in his first, you know, 15 years of, of, of leading the country. And it seems that him and, and China are starting to see that government can't run things as efficiently as the marketplace. No, no, no. And so the, the, they will continue to have a blend in their governments. Um, it's, it, but it's good to see. It's good for the people there. It's actually good for the world as a whole. So, you know, good stuff. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Hey, we haven't checked in in Nigeria for a while. And so this came across the feed and I, I wanted to, to see what's going on with Nigeria. How FG is pushing for in-country oil and gas project development. Yeah, so this is the, um, this is, this is the managing director of the Nigerian Port Authority. And I got to kind of tell you the backstory before we actually get into what she's doing. The backstory is if you've listened to the show for any length of time or if you're if you understand geopolitics, the backstory is is Nigeria's government historically has added layers of costs to the entire oil and gas industry. Um, A lot of times those costs are things that are unethical, bribes, um, money going to people's pockets that it shouldn't, whatever. And so the culture of Nigeria just kind of accepted that. And when oil was one hundred dollars a barrel. It was okay. They were making money. Most of their economy depends on the oil, on their oil reserves. Yeah. Well, now where oil is not $100 a barrel, all this waste, this financial waste is dragging their economy down, dragging the industry down. And we've talked about before about how the president's cleaning a lot of that stuff up, and he's doing a really good job. I, I worry about his safety sometimes. He's doing that good a job. Mm-hmm. And this is an article about um, Haji Hadizi Bala Usam. I hope I got that even close. And she's, she's basically the managing director of the Nigerian Ports Authority. And what historically the port authority in Nigeria has done is required all tankers that are either offloading or onloading product to use one of the government ports, which has government fees and corruption and all that stuff. And so they're trying to clean this up. And one of the ways they want to clean it up is they want to insource project development. So uh, how do you mean? What is, how do you mean there? So. Um, his, his, usually what happens is somebody do, goes and does a project in Nigeria. It's usually a partner and it has to be a partner because local content laws with, with Nigeria. So yeah, let's say it's I, Chevron. I have to stop you again so that people don't understand what local content laws are. So the, the way the, the laws are written in Nigeria is that if you could do work there in oil and gas, that a part of that work has to be done by Nigerian people. And part of the materials you need has to be supplied or sourced by Nigerian companies. Uh, the idea behind that is to keep the money in the country, right? So that that somebody can't come in and, hi- and bring a bunch of U.S. workers and do all this work in Nigeria. Nigeria gets no benefit. That's local content. So, so what what's happening is because of local content requirements, somebody like Chevron goes into Nigeria and does a joint venture. 
typically Chevron does all of the project management and all the engineering, all the, the you know, pre-engineering, the feed stuff, because they have the expertise. Um, Nigerian, Nigeria has spent a lot of money on education to start educating its people to bring them up to par. So they have the same quality engineers, project managers as the rest of the world, but, but they're not there yet. And so what's happening is they're wanting to insource project development. So basically what's, what they want to do is when Chevron comes to do a joint venture in Nigeria, the project management by law is now going to have to be done by Nigerians. The danger here is, especially offshore, the, the way you make money offshore is by hitting your project milestones. All the math is done up front. You know when you go do this project whether you're going to make money or not. And you know you're going to make money because you have uh, parts of the project come online when they're supposed to. If those times slip, if it takes longer to implement this project, you're going to lose money. Um, the, the danger here is the Nigerian people, the Nigerian project managers, don't have the 20 or 30 years of experience that like a project manager from Chevron does. And so then if it starts slipping, that joint venture is going to lose money. So that's, that's the danger here. So I want to keep an eye on this because in some ways requiring it to be insourced or, or, or done totally within Nigeria is kind of going against what the president's trying to do, or to clean everything up, to take government's hands out of everything, to get rid of corruption. So we'll keep an eye on this story and see what happens. Yeah, and I've heard Patrick Pister tell a couple of stories. Shout out to Patrick Pister over on Oil and Gas HSC podcast with you. Um, but where local content laws and, and insourcing, um, while it, it sounds like a really great thing on paper, I can't remember if it was Mexico or Brazil or where it was. He was just telling some horror stories about, uh, you know, basically the government not being able to operate wells properly. Yeah, and and it's true. It's the, I, I think, think it was I, actually um, it was Venezuela. Yeah, yeah. You you think the ideal sounds good. The real way you should do this is a mixture of free market, and there should be some laws where the companies that are outside of Nigeria operating there have to do some knowledge transfer, mm-hmm. like stand up schools, right, and have. The Nigerian engineers work hand-in-hand with the, the Chevron engineers, so they get that knowledge and that skill set. That's the better way to do that. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, so he, I, this is a really interesting to me because we, we I think, lauded this type of activity on previous episodes um, when things were in a different place um, in terms of, of having, you know, acquiring gas, putting it in tankers and things like that. But uh, this, this story paints a... a an interesting picture and I guess I'm, I'm just wanting the year. Let's hear an update on this, this, this side of a, this type of a bet oil bet gone wrong, rusting tankers and rigs claws clog up Asian market waters. Yeah. We've talked about before all the mothballed rigs and uh, tankers and FPSOs that just, there's no money out there. So there's um, you don't want to keep them operating because you're, you're bleeding cash. You know, you need to go park them somewhere, shut them down. Um, and, and, and bring them offline to save that money. And what's happening is a lot of them in the world are around Singapore. So it's a, just a good place to store this sort of stuff. So this is an article. It's, it's a good article because it has real numbers in it. Um, one of the things I kind of don't like about this article, there's a guy in here named uh, David Fife, and he's head of research at uh, oil and gas uh, trading uh, company called Gunivore. And then he has a quote, as an industry, they were complacent. They thought because costs were high, prices will remain high. But then there was advent of Shell. Since that period, there's realization that there's no scarcity oil, which he's right. There's no scarcity of oil. We've been saying that for a while. But it wasn't that the industry got complacent. It said it was booming. And so they were trying to make money as fast as they could. It was all about getting um, projects online as quickly as possible because oil was over $100 a barrel. And they knew it would come, it would crash. I mean, it always we, we go through these cycles. Um, so it wasn't they got complacent. It was time to make money. And so they were making money hand over fist. 
um, then the we had an oversupply, the prices dropped, and now it's going to drive efficiencies. Um, but this 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 huge landscape of parked tankers and and rigs and everything um, is is what happens in a low crude price market. It's not the first time this has happened. And and one of the things that they don't talk about in this article is as the prices are creeping back up, and they are, um, companies are going to look at these um, these stored uh, rigs and go, is it worth the money and the time to bring this rig back up so we, we can actually uh, uh, rent out for day rates? Are we better off building a newer, more efficient rig? And I think you can see more of that happen. I think this whole fleet that, that's been mothballed, I think you see a lot of it go to scrap. Um, just because as the price comes back, it's going to make fiscal sense to have a newer, um, you know, higher horsepower, more efficient rig out there than to bring one out of uh, mothballs. So my question, though, is around the actual tankers. Because I, I I get the I get the rig side of things from what we've been talking about recently, but I remember when storing rigs or storing you know fuel in tankers waiting for money to come back. I remember the shows, several shows where that was news to me, and it seemed like a good idea. Did did prices stay too low for too long? No, no, it's a logistics thing. It's still a good idea. There's still a lot of parked oil all over the world, but in order to do it effectively, that tanker has to be the right size. If it's too small. You don't have enough oil to make up the money when the prices come back. If it's too big, the cost of it sitting there uh, is is eating into your eventual future margin. So it's it's a logistics thing. If, and a lot of these tankers are, are not the huge super tankers. These are smaller tankers that were making money hand over fist when oil's you know one hundred fifty dollars, one hundred forty five dollars a barrel, and now they just don't work logistically. Yep, understood. All right, let's come back um, closer to closer to um, home. Ottawa's approval of massive BC energy projects sets bar for future. Really interesting uh, development here. What's going on? I, this is a good article. I laughed. I, I, I laughed five or six times reading through this. So the government went through all the proper steps to build this large LNG project, right? And, and they're gonna, um, basically, it's, it's going to allow Canada to take all its gas because Canada has a ton of gas like we do, liquefy it, ship it to the uh, Asia Pacific. Now, right now, um, LNG prices are low, but we we know they're coming back. We think they're coming back probably the very end of 2017, beginning of 2018. So if you want to capture that market, you need to start building your plants now. Actually, you need to start building your plants a couple of years ago. And so the British government went through all these steps, actually more in depth than what would have happened in the U.S. They have 190 legally binding conditions um, for the operating company, meaning uh, to help lessen the Did impact. Did you just say 190? Yeah, 190. <laughs> right. So they've done a great, great, great job of doing this. And this is, you know, this is going to create 4,500 jobs in Canada, not to mention the prosperity of being able to sell their gas to Asia Pacific. Um, it's being done by um, uh, Petronas, which is the Malaysian knock over there. So it's not even Canadian money. And then the environmentalists get involved. <laughs> oh, no, tell me about it. <laughs> and they're talking about the horrible impact this is going to have on marine life, indigenous people, and greenhouse gases. And it's like, no, 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 no. So first thing, it's not going to impact marine life at all. This whole project's on land. <laughs> Indigenous people, they're the ones who will get the jobs, right? Because they're the ones who will be out there doing 4, construction 4,500 of them, by the way. Yeah. High output of greenhouse gases. If you don't do something this LNG, they're going to flare it. <laughs> you want to talk about greenhouse gas if you just burn it. So this is... And not know, to tip- mention where it's headed in Asia. Yeah, which predominantly uses coal and it's switched from natural gas. So, you know, I, 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 you know, I totally respect people's difference of opinion than mine. Um, but based it on facts, that, I mean, there's not a fact in here from the environmental side. Um, and, and the thing I'm slightly concerned about is that, um, you know, Canada now has a bit of a leftist government in place. 
And I sure a hope bit, that they, a bit, yeah. that's an understatement. Yeah. Well, I sure hope that, that this project been approved, but I sure hope they don't somehow get something going like what's going on with that, the Indian reservation, Dakota, the pipeline where the, they have protests and everything else. It ends up shutting this project down. Cause this project is, is good for Canada. It's good for the indigenous people. It's good for Asia Pacific. It's good for greenhouse gases. It's, it's good, good for, for the world. world really. Yeah. <laughs> and like, what, there's no reason to, to not be in love with this happening. It's not even Canada's money. Another company's coming to spend the money to do it. Yeah. So geez. Yeah. Well, traditionalism and I, I'll break that down in a future philosophy <laughs> segment. All right. How are actual nuts and bolts bringing down the price of oil, Mark? Is this, what is going on with this article? Is there anything to it? Oh no, it's a great article. Remember a long time ago, we talked about stand, the need for standardization to bring uh, prices down. Mm -hmm. This is what this article is about. Um, they're, they're talking about uh, stat oil used the exact same well design and components, which that is standardization to do drill three reservoirs for the price of what they normally would have drilled one, just because they standardize stuff, mm. the same pipes, the same trees, the same casings for all three wells. Um, and so this was, this was, you know, I knew this was going to happen. It's happening right now. It's going to continue to happen. It's going to work its way into our um, predictions for 2017. I'm pretty sure. Um, and it's, it's, you know, some of the biggest oil uh, majors a while back, uh, Saudi Aramco, BP, uh, Statoil, Replisol actually got together to talk about standardization among themselves, even though they're competitors. So, um, you know, th this is just a normal where the industry, like I said, these low crude price environment is going to force efficiencies. And this is one of the ways you drive efficiencies. And it's something that's been needed to happen f forever. Um, and, and so, you know, good stuff. More efficiencies and more profits when, when things return. Yeah. So um, uh, BP has a, a, a oil platform out in the Gulf uh, called Mad Dog. And so they were able to cut their saving, their uh, drilling prices in half. Wow. In half. Now, part of that is the service companies are starving, so they cut their, their day rates a lot. But part of that is also the standardization, standardization on, on you know, trees and plets and manifolds and stuff. So good stuff that will continue to happen and it'll just drive costs down even further, which then means that people can make money at, you know, $50, $55 a barrel. Definitely. Um, update on Prudhoe Bay, um, or at least something we've talked about before, and interesting headline, and I don't know if it's a well-written article or not from your perspective. So Prudhoe Plan approved on day oil and gas division director resigned. Yeah, that should tell you the whole story right well, there. I mean, I had a feeling, I had a feeling, but I at least wanted to hear what you had to say about it. Yeah, this is that big LNG um, project that we talked about in a previous show where um, I can't remember, was it Wood Group? They hired a third party that came in and said, this is the number one most economically unviable project in the world right now. Right. <laughs> I mean, they, it just, they miss no words. And so what's happened is that there's a joint venture. It's ConocoPhillips, uh, BP, and who else? ConocoPhillips, BP, and somebody else is, is, this is a joint venture. Uh, BP is the operator, so they're taking the lead here. I think it's Exxon. Um, and so the, yeah, they, yeah, and so the, the state and rightly so the state is trying to make this project happen because unfortunately for Alaska, um, they have expensive oil and expensive oil really has no place in the market now and in the long-term future. However, if they can get an LNG plant, there's a long-term global need for LNG. The problem is the construction costs in Alaska, quite frankly, um, because it's Alaska. And so, um, their their state is trying really hard to to get this project kicked off and and so they've um the they put together a letter and it's it's basically saying hey we'll support you on know, multiple state levels to help re reduce your risk and lower your cost if you'll build this project and this project's not going to happen so the director 
after um after the the plan was approved just resign because it's just it's not going to happen i'm sure he's frustrated he or she is frustrated as, as all get out on trying to make something happen that's not gonna happen so it's it's like it's like the girlfriend who just won't won't give up right oh. yeah <laughs> yeah come back come on yeah why are you returning my text messages yeah and and really if they would think through this, there's probably other ways they could take those resources and partner with with BP and Exxon and, and uh, ConocoPhillips and do something else that may not be as prosperous for the state as the LNG plant, but would at least be something that's realistic. It would actually get done. So as it stands today, you're calling that it won't happen, but they're still trying to get it to happen. Yeah, it doesn't make fiscal sense. Um, it, it may make fiscal sense uh, later. And when I say later, I mean, we're talking about years away. Depending on where that LNG global price stabilizes, we, we don't really have a global price in LNG right now because we don't have a way to transport around the world. Once we get the infrastructure built where we can transport, just that's, that's the same reason oil is the same price. You know, a barrel of Brett is the same price in Houston as it is in Tokyo, only because we can transport for almost nothing. Um, once we get that infrastructure built for LNG, you'll end up having a, a stable global LNG price. And whatever that price is, if it's above a certain point, this this plant will make sense. If it's below a certain point, it won't make sense. We'll continue to follow that and see see how your prediction works out there. I'm guessing you're probably right. Um, all right. Oh, we got a couple seeking alphas in a row, so you can um, you know love or hate them. Scoop Stack, changing Oklahoma dynamics. Throwing this one in here, uh, shout out to Shara. My man Shara out there, um, just getting into the oil industry actually um, from from California real estate, and he he he's doing some re he did a reentry a few of them up in Oklahoma, and so just interesting to hear how things are are developing there because it's sort of changing. Yeah, so uh, Scoop is the South Central Oklahoma oil province. This one's gonna be a hard one. Stack is Sooner Trend Anadarko. Basin, Canadian, Kingfisher counties. Boom. Wow. I don't know, I don't know if I'm right about that. Just fact check us, please. <laughs> yeah, somebody let me know if I got that right. Um, but this is showing basically the changing dynamics of gas production in Oklahoma. And as these operators get better and operate in their basins and they 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 really get it fine-tuned, you can see certain basins produce more than others, and you see certain basins do it cheaper or more expensive than others. So you can see that needle move around Oklahoma. You know, which basins is making the most money? Which ones is it worth? Because you know, natural gas prices are creeping up, James, which is good. So um, this is just a great story in Seeking Alpha about how those dynamics are changing in Oklahoma. Um, and this is one of those things that if you're a um, you know, multi-field operate if you're a big operator this is sort of stuff you're trying to think way ahead so you can figure out where you can go buy properties cheap that you know you can produce um inexpensively and you know what properties do you want to stay away from and and as the as the experience of the people and as the technologies continue to influence us you'll continue to see that change. It's, it's dynamic it will never be set it's really interesting they've got some you know obviously usually some great great graphs and charts and so forth scoop and stack have had strong recent growth while production in other oklahoma regions such as arcoma woodford and western oklahoma have steadily declined and if you look at the if you go to the show notes and 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 look at this uh, graph it, it sort of tells the story pretty quickly yeah and and it's not just oklahoma thing and it's not just a, a texas thing it's not just a u.s thing this is globally you know, as technologies and experience allow you to be more productive in certain fields, you will spend your activities, your money, your capital there. Um, you know, one of the things that's probably going to creep into our, our um, predictions for next year is that uh, certain parts of the world are just going to be are just going to be dead. Um, unfortunately, the North Sea is going to be there, and so you think that's a negative thing. Well, no, 
if you get ahead of this, if you start thinking about decommissioning, all that stuff needs to be decommissioned in RC, and you figure out a way to decommission cheaper than somebody else, you're sitting on a gold mine opportunity. Just because the fields are declining doesn't mean you can't still make money there. You just have to think outside the box. Yeah, or or pivot as necessary. Yeah. Um, all right, it's time, Mark. Midstream super majors, it's time to crown a king. Yeah, that's an easy one. Enbridge. Okay. Okay. <laughs> just, just slam time. dunk. Yeah. Um, um, you know, Enbridge just bought out Spectre Energy and they just passed up Enterprise and Kinder Morgan. Uh, Trans Canada is actually doing well. Um, they're all doing okay. They're not dying. Um, some of them, you know, Kinder Morgan had a stumble there for a while. But, um, you know, uh, Enbridge is buying out Spectre Energy, just makes them the largest, you know, North American pipeline company. And, and they're also fiscally doing really well. This is a, a good article in Seeking Alpha about the, um, the profits and the dividends. So this is an investor article of all the large uh, pipeline companies. Um, the pipeline companies, we've talked about this before, are in a strange place in history where their, their business model may be upset. Um, if their business model is upset, the larger you are and the less debt you have, the, the less that, that is going to affect you. The smaller you are and the more debt you have, the more that's going to affect you. What do you mean by the business model upset? Yeah, so there's a couple of court cases being held right now where um, operators are trying to get out of their long-term um, tr um, contracts with pipeline companies. Historically, the way you build a pipeline, and, and you need a pipeline if oil is you know, $20 a barrel, you still got to move it, right? Or, and gas too. Historically, what they do is the pipeline companies go out and try to figure out where a constraint is. Like years ago, they figured out there's a constraint between Cushing, Oklahoma, and, uh, and Houston, right? They call it the, the, the Cushing Coast. And so you had a bunch of pipeline companies go out there, TransCanada is one of them, and start building pipeline to, re to relieve that constraint. But the way they do it is they go out and they get operators to sign these long-term contracts. So if you're Chevron, you sign a contract with Enbridge for 20 years to move your oil and your gas from point A to point B. You have, get enough of those contract signs, you now fund your pipeline project, with, but you're not using your money. You're using um, capital that you borrowed based upon those long-time contracts. You build the pipeline. You then transport the, the products in the pipeline according to your contracts, and you eventually pay that, that loan off that you borrowed, and then you start making money. The way the contracts are written, even if the operator goes out of business, they go bankrupt, the pipeline company gets first stab at, at getting its money. Mm. That's being challenged in court in two, two separate cases. If it's, if it's upheld and the courts allow the operating companies to get out of their contractual commitments and basically not pay the pipelines, it's going to create a domino effect. And it's, you know, other people go to court, other people go to court, other people go to court, and the fundamental business model of pipeline will have to change. And unfortunately, uh, as usual, the, the people that will pay that is, will be the consumer. Mm -hmm. But to your point about Enbridge ruling the day here, together these four companies generate about $71 billion in revenue. The new Enbridge would account for about 40% of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I can't remember what the number is. But if you look at the amount of pipeline that's just in North America, I think it would go around the world 10 times. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we have a ton of pipe here in North America. It's great, great infrastructure. Um, that's one of the advantages we have over other countries. They just don't have the infrastructure we have. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's go over to the ducks. <laughs> Duck hunting again. Ducks amok, oil and gas 360 examines dueling EIA and Bloomberg backlog data. This is, this is quite an article. Yeah, so in, this is a, this was a good read, but it's sort of like reading science fiction. And you, you, <laughs> How do you mean? Science fiction is entertaining, right? It, well, if you like sci-fi, it's entertaining, it's fun, you get engrossed in it, but it's not based on reality. The problem with the ducks is probably trying to get a number on ducks is you can't. You you just simply can't in this country 
get a solid number, even a statistical number. And so um, what they did, and this is oil and gas 360s, they analyzed Bloomberg's uh, duck data and they compared it to the EIA. But it's like, it's science fiction. You, neither number is, is real. <laughs> and so, and, and this, they go, they go in detail about, you know, where, um, you know, Bloomberg, they think Bloomberg got it right or where they think the EIA got it right. Um, and, and it's, you know, like I said, good, good article. But if, if you're trying to get your hands on a, a solid number of how many ducks there are, um, you just can't. It's just that the data is not there for, for a bunch of reasons. Um, one of which is each state reports things differently, requires the operators report things differently. Um, the other thing is that the uh, Energy Information Administration, the EIA, the data they get is what is required by federal law, which is not comprehensive. And it's also dated. So by the time they get it, it's it's six months or a year old. So um, like I said, good good article if you want to read, but there's, there's just you can't get your hand around on the ducks out there. You just can't. Well, here's another point that I don't think a lot of people might realize is that a lot of it, not a lot of it, but um, when when a, when someone goes out and reports to 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 you know as they need to to the to the you know railroad commission in Texas or the federal and and so forth. Um, they report what they have to, right? <laughs> so it's explain a, that. Yeah, it's because it's a cost. Um, it's it's a cost to keep track of stuff to pay somebody to go fill out these forms. So just like you and I, you do the you know you do what's required, and that's you don't do any more of that. And so um, you know, once again, you're right. The states require certain things, but what's required to be reported in Texas is different. What's required to be in Oklahoma, which is different. What's required in Louisiana, which is different. When, in North Dakota, and so. Because you don't have clean data, there's just no way you can extrapolate how many ducks are out there. You, you just can't do it. Yeah, yeah. You could you, you get a sort of intuitive guess at best. Maybe. Yeah, you could you could get a you could get a, a feel for the size, like it's between this number and this number. You absolutely can do that, but to actually get even a statistically close average, you just can't do it. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about North Dakota because this is a pretty cool story to round things out. North Dakota's world class core library receives major upgrade. Yeah, so if you don't know what a core is, when uh, they go out and they drill, they take samples. They use a special bit, and they they basically core the rock. And that rock is what uh, um, uh, you use from a geological point of view to figure out where you are, what reservoirs are there, what type of rock you're drilling through, you know, what type of stimulation, all kinds of stuff. And North Dakota, um, a long time ago, figured out that they need to keep – they want a library or core, especially for their students. And what they've done, James, is something I don't think anybody else has done. They literally have a core – almost every well ever drilled in North Dakota. Wow. And w- when I'm looking at this, and they just pumped a bunch of money and made it much bigger um, into it, which was really cool. But when I think of this, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about big data analytics, um, how that's going to be a major player in, in this in oil and gas industry. Here is the raw data sitting, sitting as a rock cores in a library. Somewhere in the future, Somebody's going to be able to analyze all these cores and analyze that data. And you think you can produce oil and gas now in North Dakota. Once you analyze this and you're able to figure out, okay, at this depth, this type of lateral works better. This number of preparations work better. But based on the actual data pulled from the rock samples, holy cow. So this is this is going to be huge somewhere in the future. This could be extremely valuable to North Dakota and, and to the you know all the geologists in the world that are working the oil and gas industry that work in the same type of formations. So, um, you know, good stuff. And, and this, this is going to really pay off in the future. And, you know, hats off to, uh, to uh, um, the uh, government in North Dakota for seeing this as something valuable and putting money and time and making sure they had it. Well, what I'm, what I'm wondering immediately, my digital brain is saying, is anybody working on digitizing all of this stuff? 
I, I don't know, but but you're right. That's 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 the first step. You know, it's sort of like um, drilling info has a whole warehouse of paper mud logs. I didn't even know there were paper mud logs. <laughs> they with, do. With, yeah, where they did it by hand, and they're in the process of digitalizing that. The values could be used once it's digitalized, and you can analyze that information. And it's a, it's a manual, um, expensive process, but the payoffs could be huge. Dude, same, so way, I, same way here. I, I know the backstory on that, um, which is it's fascinating because you have all of these uh, retired engineers and geologists and geophysicists um, who have entire rooms full of things that their wives are screaming at them to get rid of for a really long time. Um, and so Alan Gilmer, um, had to went out there and, and said, Hey guys, um, I know you'd probably need to get this out of your house before, <laughs> before you're out of your house. So why don't you just give it to us? Yeah. It's yeah. really, really interesting. Brilliant idea. Yeah. That, that is invaluable. Absolutely. Okay. And then we have our weekly onion and I pulled one from the archives here. Kim Jong-un named the onions sexiest man alive for 2012. And the hilarious thing about this is back in 2012, and I have a link to the NPR article, when they said that, um, everyone thought it was real. <laughs> <laughs> everyone thought it was real. Um, I said the onion because it's actually the updated headline because the original headline just said Kim Jong-un named Sexiest Man Alive for 2012. And uh, if you actually look at the article, I think it was... Um, Oh, goodness. Who, who was it? Uh, it was a couple uh, pretty legit. Oh, the New York Times and People's Daily <laughs> reported on it That's as, funny. as fact. All right. Bulwark has a winner, Mr. LaCour. Congratulations, Jamie Silva, a human performance coach at CAVU International. You have won the new fashion standard in the oil and gas industry, the Bulwark two-tone ba- uh, base layer. And James, you know what I found out? Tell me. It's now made its way across the pond to the Paris fashion models. So, if, if, if you was it at be, Fashion Week? Yeah, if you want to be the epitome of fashion, you need to check this out. So, uh, uh, Jamie, your your, your two tone base layer will be shipped uh, very soon out to you. If you're listening to the show and you want to copy Jamie and maybe walk into the uh, the Paris runways yourself, uh, all you have to do is go to bulwark.com forward slash podcast. That's bulwark.com forward slash podcast. Put your information in, and we may pull your name as a lucky winner. And if you're a company that needs flame-resistant clothing, check out Bulwark. They're the largest manufacturer of FR clothing in the oil and gas industry. They know what they're doing. I really love their uh, their their tagline, delivering the, quote, perfect day. Um, we leverage our military and energy sector experience to provide the best consulting service in the world for high-hazard work environments. So, um, Jamie, also, you need to check out the Oil & Gas HSE podcast because it sounds like a perfect fit. Yeah, Jamie, and... Um, Maybe you or somebody in your company would like to be interviewed on our HSE podcast. It does sound like a perfect. So I bet you have a great story to tell. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so bulwark.com forward slash podcast, register um to to uh you know, win this this amazing fashion accessory. Um it's B-U-L-W-A-R-K dot com forward slash podcast. Events on deck, you can get Mark's monthly events email, which is where we get all of the uh all of the 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 events that we talk about every every week on the show. You can go to triberocket.com forward slash events and, and get this email sent straight to you. Um, even Nick, <laughs> sixth oil and gas symposium. Um, tell me about it. Yeah, this is, this is a great event. I'll be there. If you're going, hit me up on Twitter, which by the way, if you're going to the King and Spalding Latin America Energy Forum tonight, I'll be there as well. I'm actually going to be there late. Sorry. <laughs> hit me up on Twitter as well. Um, <clears throat> but this is a great, they get some industry experts and, and, uh, real thought leaders, and they talk about what's going to happen in the oil and gas industry in the future. And it's not academia; these are people who actually run 
big businesses in oil and gas. And this is one of my uh, must-attend events we go to every year. Um, it's also free, so hurry up and sign up for it before they fill up. And it also includes breakfast, lunch, and a network reception. So you, you get fed, you get educated, and you get to network with your peers, and you don't have to pay anything. So go sign up. A.K.A. booze. <laughs> so free Malbec for Mark. Um, is that why it's the Mustatan event? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, but uh, on, on the on the Mustatan event side, um, we're going to be Mustatanning um, some events coming up. People um, taking us up on our offer for, for for getting out there in the field and talking to their people. So thank you to everyone who's reaching out. Yeah. If, so if you're a, um, a trade association, a company, a conference, a school. Uh, if you got a drinking club, you know, sales and marketing, oil and gas, whatever, reach out to James and I. We love to get on the road, um, come out and either speak or interact or even maybe even do a live podcast or maybe all three. So uh, reach out to us and we'll be happy to share the details. Yeah, guns. Get some guns in there. I want to shoot some guns. <laughs> I haven't shot a gun in a while. I need to get out there. All right. Um, our first Friday Q&A is just one week away and we got some fantastic questions this week, but we are lagging a little bit. So at this point, um, we're going to have to really answer those questions if we don't get a handful more. So help us out, tribrocket.com forward slash QA. You can write it in. What do you have to say about the first Friday Q&A? It's, a, it's become our most popular show. So if you have anything you want to know about the industry, anything, uh, reach out to us. Uh, you know, Send us an audio note. James loves those things. If you want to know about marketing and oil and gas, I keep saying this, but you know, James is a wealth of information around that. I mean, my business success is because of him. Um, you know, you can also ask those type of questions, which, which would be a little bit different than normal. But anything you want to know, reach out to us and, we, and we'll see if we can answer. And if we, we use your question on the air, you'll get a big shout out. Big old shout out. And we've got to talk more about, about our, our, our prizes or, you know, best question and all these different things. Yeah, we're, we're working on um, some highly sought after trophy type materials for our best questions, <laughs> people. Um, you know, your friends would be so jealous if you have one of these awards. Um, we haven't got the, the details figured out yet, but it's coming. Yeah, it's definitely coming. All right, tribrocket.com forward slash QA. All right, let's talk about reviews. Tribrocket.com forward slash TW reviews takes you straight into the iTunes store where you can leave us a review. Shout out to everyone as well who has been giving us ratings because we just crushed it on ratings this week. We got like 12 or something. So in iTunes, you can either leave a rating or a review. We appreciate both. Uh, we especially love the reviews. So here we go. Great tool to expand your knowledge of the oil and gas industry. Five stars by ONG Fan. OGTW playing in the background makes driving through Houston traffic almost enjoyable. Really? Yeah, the, key, the key there is almost. <laughs> almost. Almost. Great show. And I always learn something new when I tune in. Thank you, ONG fan. Great way to stay updated. Five stars from Crude Petrol. I love having a weekly source of news summaries for all things oil and gas. James and Mark do a great job of explaining how activity in the industry will branch out and affect markets, economies, and people. It helps me to be able to engage further in conversations with friends and colleagues about what's going on now and in the future. Appreciate all the legwork you guys do uh, to pull off the podcast and keep us guys informed and educated. Thank you, Crude Petrol. We do we do a fair amount of legwork, um, but it's because we have 200,000 downloads, and we know that y'all want to hear it. So, But even if we didn't have 200,000 downloads, I mean, this is very self-serving. Mark kept telling me I needed to le learn about the industry, and certainly I am. Um, all right, last one. Must listen if you're in or around oil and gas industry. Five stars from one nav. Very efficient way to keep pulse of the industry. There you go, tagline. 
Mark is very knowledgeable with high level of inte uh, integrity. Mark, you've got integrity? I pride myself on my integrity. <laughs> I'm, I'm also very, very known for my um, humility. He lays down things as they are. Keep it up, guys. We certainly will keep hey, things James, rolling. Yes. Remember in the beginning of the show, I talked about one of the subsea manufacturers that uh, actually uh, puts in its new hire packet our podcast? Mm -hmm. I think that's who left this review. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So thanks. If, if I'm right about that, uh, Nav, uh, thanks for leaving <laughs> us a review. Awesome. Awesome. All right. The LinkedIn group, you can go to LinkedIn and search OGGN and find Oil and Gas Global Network LinkedIn group, or you can go to tribrocket.com forward slash LinkedIn. You have anything to say about that? Go join the LinkedIn group. There's really cool stuff happening, and you find out first if you join the LinkedIn group. Yes. And also, you, you, that's where we put all the show as, as far as the links. If you, but if you're just driving and you want to see the links yourself, you can go to trybrocket.com forward slash TW. So this week, um, that's because our show used to be called This Week in Oil and Gas. But for SEO purposes, we dominate with oil and gas this week. Um, so TW84. And um, yeah, if uh, if you're driving, you probably better not go to this page. Wait till you're not driving. Right. Well, you can only um, remember it. Right. Yeah. But if you uh, if you want to see any of the stuff that we do, James spends a lot of time putting everything in nice clickable formats, basically a blog post. Uh, our contact information is there. Our Twitter handles are there. All the links to all the articles we talked about, anything free that we're giving away is there. So it just makes it really easy for you to, for you to, to continue to, to benefit from the show. Just go straight to the show notes. Um, it just makes things easier for you, and it makes things uh, easier for us as too. Yeah, and if you sign up for my email list, I'll send it straight to your email inbox. All right, tribrocket.com forward slash share li. Um, we'll take you to LinkedIn to share the show. We love when you do that. Forward slash share TW takes you to Twitter. And forward slash share FB goes to Facebook. Mark. No, no, no pauses. No, no, no. Like this is actually a live show. Yeah, which means you may not have pushed record. 45. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was scary. Okay, before we screw up, are you ready to go? Yeah, so folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Go find some grease, guys. think too much on it oh no i mean what can we do <laughs> yeah, that was like a that was like a yoga kind of going into it what do i got what happened this week uh just busy freaking week yeah uh nobody said anything stupid to you people say stupid shit all to me all the time <laughs>